Do you think your dog might benefit from a little extra fitness? Maybe you want to tighten those left turns in agility or tighten their box turn in flyball. Or maybe they're just a bit clumsy and you need a little more body awareness. Welcome to the Canine Fitness Fanatics podcast with your host, Hannah Johnson. Join us as we talk dog fitness and other areas of canine health too. Our mission is to help condition dogs to reduce the risk of injury and increase longevity, whether that's in sporting dogs, working dogs or pet dogs. All dogs can benefit from a little extra fitness. Hi guys, so today I want to talk to you a little bit about Cavaletti. Now Cavaletti is something we do with a lot of our dogs, it can be really really helpful. It's suitable for dogs of all ages, so you can do it with puppies, you can do it with adult dogs, you can do it with senior dogs, um, depending on the level that you're doing it, but basic Cavaletti exercises you can absolutely do it with all dogs of all ages. Um, obviously if your dog's got a clinical condition um, then you need to be checking with a physiotherapist if they think that it's suitable for your dog but actually this is an exercise that we do with a lot of dogs and I thought it would be actually really good to kind of let you guys know a little bit about it it's something that you can do obviously at home Um, first things first is you're going to need yourself some cavaletti So the Cavaletti, for those of you that don't know, they're kind of like, um, you might see them referred to as trotting poles. They're more commonly used in the horse world, but we're seeing them more and more being used in the dog world uh, for conditioning. And a lot of what you'll see when you see them online, if you search dog Cavaletti, is you'll kind of look, they'll look like uh, cones either side and then they've got like a pole through the middle. So you can pick yourself up a fairly cheap set of Cavaletti online to start doing some basic Cavaletti exercises with your dogs. Now there are lots of advanced exercises which obviously we do with our clients once they have been through the basic areas of Cavaletti. So what we're going to look at today is just that standard Cavaletti at both a walk and a trot because we like to do it at both paces. We find it very beneficial at both paces. So this is a great exercise. It targets your dog's range of movement through all of their joints, um, through the forelimb and the hind limb, as well as also improving their top line. So it's also really great for proprioception, so that body awareness, and also their coordination. And it also hits the strength and flexibility as well. So it really is an awesome all-round exercise. Now, this will engage all major muscle groups, such as the biceps and triceps, etc., in the front legs, the core muscles, and then the glutes, hamstrings, quads, etc., in the back legs. So you really are hitting a lot of your dog's body with these exercises. How to for Cavaletti. So you want to set your Cavaletti up as follows. So for the distance between the poles, you want to measure from the floor to the height of your dog's elbow. So that sets your distance between each pole. However, for dogs with longer backs, such as Dachshunds and Corgis, etc., the distance between the poles will actually need to be set at the measurement from the floor to the height of their hock. Then the height of the poles should be set at your dog's carpal, so their wrist at their front leg. Um, The height should never exceed the height of their hock, and this is to avoid excessive lateral pelvic tilt. So you never want to go above the height of their hock with these Cavaletti poles, even when you start playing around a little bit with the height. So my top tips when you're trying to teach a dog to do Cavaletti, because obviously we want them to do them steady, and particularly those of us that have got highly strong dogs, maybe you've got working dogs or sporting dogs, 
when they see the Cavaletti set up, quite a lot of them go, oh, it's a long jump. And they literally try and fly over the entire thing, which obviously is not what we want them to do. So starting at a walk, I always start at a walk first because it's easy to encourage them to actually walk, believe it or not. So I try not to use harnesses, collars, leads, halties, etc. I try not to use any tools unless you absolutely have to. Now, I did absolutely have to with my little crazy cocker spaniel bee. I did need to use actually a haltie with her. That was the only way I could get some controlled movement to start building that pattern for her. However, the rest of my dogs, I've not had to use any tools for and they're all still highly strong dogs. I've even managed to teach my little puppy with this technique and she picked it up really quickly. So our preferred method is to place a treat in front of the very first pole, so about a stride away from that first pole, and that what that does is, is it lowers their head down so they pick up the food off the floor and it stops them rushing into the cavaletti and helps prevent them from taking them either like a long jump or actually trying to just canter through them. Now, this does mean that your dog's head will be low initially, but seriously, trust the process. Over time, we will build a steadiness um, through these cavaletti and we'll be able to phase the treats out. So once your dog has stopped trying to rush, you can then gradually lessen the treats to between every other pole. So to start with, you're putting them between every single pole. So they have to look for those treats between every pole. Then you start to space them out so they become every other pole. That then they start to lift their head a little bit more as they step over that pole that's not got the treat in between them. And then eventually um, I'll then start building them so that actually there's only a treat in the middle pole. So you have one at the beginning, so before that first pole, that one always stays. Then they have one in the middle pole, right in the middle of the cavaletti, and then they have one at the end. And then once we've kind of got to that stage, the next stage is to actually take out that middle one. So I'll just do at the start and then just at the end. Eventually I get to just at the start. Now with mine, because they're very energetic, I do keep that first one at the start in. Otherwise I find that they do start to pick up speed and they start to rush too much. So that first one always stays in there. I eventually also build in a wrap around a cone, a wing or a barrel, etc. I use jump wings because I've got them for agility, but I do also have cones. I can do it with cones. Um, some of the things you could use maybe from around your home is if you've got a suitable washing basket. So you don't want anything too big. You want it to be like one of those sort of tall cylindrical washing baskets. As long as they're not going to knock it and it's not going to fall on them or anything like that. You need to obviously use common sense safety first. And you can use that wrap to help keep keep that movement flowing. So you will need to teach your dog to wrap on both sides first before introducing this to make sure they alternate the sides they wrap each time. So you don't want them wrapping, for example, always to the left, because then what you're going to do is create an unbalanced dog. So you must make sure they do this in a figure of eight pattern. So at one end, they go left round the cone or barrel or whatever it is. And then at the other end, they go right. So one left, then one right, then one left then one right so they're evening out those turns on either side so correct form top lines should remain level throughout they shouldn't be arching or dipping in their top line at all um, their head should be facing forwards ideally so obviously initially whilst you're teaching them it's probably going to be lower but eventually we want them to be looking straight ahead to help that some people find it's helpful to actually have like um, a 
manners minder or treat and train whatever you like to call them or maybe a bowl to put some food in at the end so they've got something to focus on and move towards so they're not looking at you that's one of the things we see a lot is dogs looking up at the handler you tend to find a lot of the time that those dogs will knock the poles quite a bit because they're not necessarily thinking as much about their foot they're looking at and concentrating on you too much rather than the poles The other issue with this is that they are likely going to be transferring more weight into um, one side of their body if they're looking up at you. So you really do want to make sure that they're focusing forwards. Their paws should land in the middle of each pole. Um, So in the middle, in between each pole, they should land right in the middle on the floor. Uh, The pelvis shouldn't tilt excessively to either sides. Your dog shouldn't be knocking the poles. So if they are knocking the poles or, and they shouldn't also, they shouldn't be double stepping. So if they're doing either of those things, maybe you actually need to have a little look at the distance because some dogs, if they've created a gait pattern that's really collected or really extended, sometimes you have to play around a little bit with that, um, with the distance with these dogs. Um, I would do this under supervision of somebody that knows what they're doing if you need to do that so if you do need any help feel free to contact us contact physiotherapist um, to actually see what we can do to help them but even with those dogs eventually you will be able to change their stride length to get it back to a more normal um, stride pattern and stride length so for some dogs that technique that I mentioned before doesn't work Um, like I said you can use things like halties you can put them on a collar and lead whatever you normally use to walk them Um, if you have to use a lure because some people do need to use a lure if you do then be sure to hold your hand fairly low to the poles initially to make sure your dog can actually see the poles and know where to step so that's a common mistake I see with luring is people keeping the dog's head up too high Um, If the poles are too high, you will likely see your dog's pelvis sway a lot, as we've said before, from side to side. Um, You might even see some hip abduction as they walk over them if they're too high as well. So keep an eye on that. So as I've said, I always start at a walk. And once you've taught that walk, I normally teach them a cue for walking. So once I'm doing that, I will tell them to walk. And then after that, I then start to bring in some speed. So I bring in that trot Um, and I just do that with my movement. So I move myself up and down the poles a little bit faster. So they try and match my speed a little bit. That's what I find works for most of the dogs that I work with. Um, And then once I've picked up that speed, picked up that bit of motivation, I still keep that one treat at the start every single time. And then I'll use my body to kind of like hopefully help speed them up a little bit and send them into that wrap if we're sending them into a wrap. So with the trot, the difference you've got with the trot is the distance between the poles, actually you change it when you're trotting. Um, So you want to measure from the floor to somewhere between the height of their elbow and the height of their withers. Now this does differ from dog to dog. Um, Find that sweet spot for them. My recommendation is record them. Always record your cavaletti and you can watch them back and then you can see if they're hitting in the center of each of those poles. And that will help you gauge that correct distance for your dog. For dogs with longer backs, again, um, such as the Dachshunds and Corgis, etc., the distance between the poles will need to be set roughly between the height of their hock and the height of their elbow. So again, it's slightly differing from that of the walk, but it's still a shorter length than it is for our, our sort of standard shaped dogs. Again, still within that trot, that height should never exceed the height of their hock to avoid that excessive lateral pelvic tilt. 
So once you've got them walking and trotting over them successfully, you can do a few things to actually advance these exercises. I'll just briefly tell you a few things that you can do. Um, obviously, if you want to go more in depth into this, it's all available on our app for you to have a look at. So a couple of things you can do is you can pause them over each pole so they hold their paw up in the air for, for a moment. Obviously, that one you can only do in walk, not in trot. Um, that helps improve that body awareness. You can raise the height. Like we said, if you're changing the height, you never go any higher than your dog's hock. You could alternate the height, so you could have some at hock height, some at carpal height, some right down quite close to the floor. If they're close to the floor, make sure they can't roll around, because if they're on the floor with nothing securing them down and your dog stands on them, your dog could roll on them and cause themselves an injury. So you never want to use poles on the ground. They must be secured. Um, another option that you can use if you've got access to them is puppy bumps, because they're like a half pole, so they can't roll. So if your dog does knock them or stand on them, they're not going to roll out from under their foot. We have seen injuries from that. So please never put those poles on the floor without them being secured. So you've got those alternating heights. You can alternate from low to high, low to high, low to high. Then what you can also do is randomize the height. So you could have like medium, high, low, low, high, medium, 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 high. So you can, re you can really randomize those heights and that further increases that body awareness for them. Um, and the, the last thing that you could do is for, for advanced, just with these in a straight line, you could drop one end of every other pole. So one end is set at standard height in the cone and the other one is then down to the floor or on the lower setting within the cones. And then the next pole, you would have the other end up higher and the other end down lower. So then when you look through them, they look like they're kind of creating a cross. So that kind of gives you our basics on um, Cavaletti. There are still more things that you can do with Cavaletti poles um, to make them more advanced, to make the challenge different for your dog. For example, we can do like curved cavalettis, we can do a proprioceptive track under the cavalettis, we can do like backwards walking over the cavalettis, but each of these has got their own um, areas of form you need to look out for and different ways of teaching each of these things. So again, if you're interested in those more advanced cavaletti exercises, definitely do get in touch with us um, and we can help you through those. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you've got any questions for us or you've got any uh, topics you want us to talk about on the next podcast episode, please do drop us a comment um, or contact us. You can contact us on our website. You can contact us through our email. I'll drop all of the links in the description of the podcast and let us know what topic you'd like us to cover next. I want to say a massive thank you to all our wonderful audience for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Canine Fitness Fanatics podcast. Our mission is to help condition dogs to reduce the risk of injury and increase longevity, whether that's in sporting dogs, working dogs or pet dogs. All dogs can benefit from a little extra fitness. So if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe share and leave a review to help us reach more people and help dogs around the world. Remember fitness fanatics, form is everything. Mm -hmm.